And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the role of a university? Now, some, when you get to larger research universities, you can say, yes, it really is about the knowledge and they are pushing the forefront of knowledge. But for most universities and colleges at the undergraduate level, it is about preparing their students to be effective in their careers. Yes. And that means you are more of that primary service and not secondary. But unfortunately, that's not how universities <laughs> see it. This is Your Career GPS. The podcast designed to help teens, young adults, students, new graduates, and emerging professionals navigate their career journey. And your journey starts now. Welcome back to Your Career GPS podcast. Brad and I are both so excited to be back with another episode. And before we jump into such a great topic today about skills and how to position ourselves, I want to remind you to make sure that you're following us across all platforms. Connect with us on Instagram at Your Career GPS. You can also email us um, if you're looking to connect with either Brad or I, or if you have questions or comments about the podcast, Your Career GPS Podcast at gmail.com. I know last week I got a message on Instagram from a listener just talking about one of our previous episodes and the tips that she was taking away from it, she said, Cassie, I'm going to make a spreadsheet for my job search right now. And I loved it. So any and all comments, uh, definitely send them our way. We're excited that you're here and listening and you know, always want to incorporate that into the show. So today um, we are focusing on skills and how to position ourselves as great candidates for um, new jobs and throughout that whole process, kind of continuing along this job search train that we've been on. So really kind of bringing our best selves uh, to future and existing roles. And we want to help you, our listeners, understand how you can do that even more and really focus on maybe some skills that you weren't necessarily taught in school or that we haven't talked about as much. So Brett, can you introduce our guest? Yes, I am uh, really, really excited for this one. We we touched on this very, very early on in the uh, the podcast, but it goes back <laughs> years actually, and I've been really wanting to to tackle this uh, this issue again and and really dive into these skills that are so essential to our career progression and success. And uh, we couldn't have a better guest, so we are welcoming Mark Hirschberg from Manhattan right now. Mark is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Educated at MIT, Mark has spent his entire career launching and fixing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500s, and academia. He's developed new software languages, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and tracked criminal and terrorists on the dark web. That is really neat. <laughs> Mark helped create the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he's taught for 20 years. Mark also serves on the board of nonprofits Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. So first of all, Mark, welcome to your Career GPS podcast. Thanks for having me on the show. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, we're so excited to really dive in and talk all things skills. But before we do that, we'd love to learn a little bit more about your career journey, um, kind of going on with our, um, you know, road trip analogy. So uh, what's your journey been like that's gotten you to this point? 
I've had this very interesting dual career. When I came out of MIT, I started as a software engineer and then realized early on I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer. When I looked at what that meant, I realized it wasn't just about being a great engineer. Yes, I had to solve technical problems, but to be a good CTO and to get hired, there were all these other skills I needed. Leadership, communication, team building, networking. No one ever taught me these skills, so I had to develop them in myself. And back then, we didn't have podcasts like this to help us along, so it was a much harder journey. And as I was learning these skills, I realized they are not just for executives. They are for everyone. If you want to be in the executive suite, great. Even if you're an entry-level person, no matter where you are in the hierarchy, or if you want to set out on your own, these skills are always useful. So I began to upskill not only myself, but my entire team. And as I was doing so, MIT had been doing some surveys of companies and found companies were saying they wanted these skills too not just with MIT students, not just engineers, not just college students, but in everyone. So I heard MIT was looking to put together a program to address this. And when I heard that, I reached out. I said, you know, I've been developing these skills among my team. I'm happy to share my content. I thought that'd be just a one-off conversation, but instead they asked me to come in and help design some of the modules. And then they asked me to teach alongside the professors. So in addition to my career, doing traditional startups and Fortune 500s and building companies. In parallel, I've been teaching at MIT and elsewhere, and now, of course, the book and the speaking I do as well. I'm so excited to dive into this and to kind of hear your story. You know, I think a lot of the students and young professionals that Brad and I work with, there is this kind of mindset that we have one career, right? And you pick one thing and you do that, or you make this drastic career change and then you do something else. And I really appreciate hearing your story and thinking of it as a dual career and kind of how that all that all came together. Um, you touched on this a little bit about the, the courses that you've taught and, and how that came to be, but can you talk a little bit more about why there is a need for these professional career skills and, and courses that really teach people how to do these things? If you think about what we used to do a hundred years ago versus today, the jobs are very different. So think back to that stereotypical mid-century corporation where people were cogs in the machine. And you sat there and said, I'm an accountant or a marketer or an engineer. And your boss would come by and he, back then it was always a he, would say, this is what I need you to do. And you say, yes, sir. And you work on it. So here you go, sir. It's done. What next? And you just sat there and did what you were told. But as we look at today's companies, it's very different. First, you are not just sitting with other engineers or other accountants. You're going to be working with people in different teams with different perspectives and different knowledge. In fact, your boss doesn't necessarily know everything you know. When we think, for example, in marketing, when you have a senior marketing person, that person may not be as adept at certain social media. She might say, yeah, I'm not uh, really understanding TikTok, but you, the 24-year-old, you really get this better than I do. What do you think we should do? And so no longer do we as employees sit there and wait for our boss to tell us what to do. We need to take that initiative. We need to synthesize opportunities and solutions and then put those ideas forward. And so it's a very different skill set than just the mechanics of whatever your particular domain is. 
Well, you make some um, some really, really fascinating points, and I think you hit so much on the head about the fact that we just live in a very different time today, and, and there's so much need for adaptability as technology changes, as positions change and evolve. There's this constant upskilling that has to take place, but it really kind of starts with these fundamental principles that you teach. And again, there's a little bit of a disconnect in, in how these things are being communicated and how they're being taught. You know, I'm working with recent high school graduates, and I certainly know they're, they're not getting a lot of this there. You know, we're going to dive a little bit into some of these, these skills and what they actually look like. But just in terms of these essential uh, career skills that are necessary to be successful, just from your standpoint, why do you think this is not being taught? Um, why is there this this disconnect, even though we understand that there's a relevance uh, in the job market today for this? At the high school level, it's because high school is a relatively new invention. It really only became universal about 100, 150 years ago as we left the farms and walked into the industrial world. And you had to go and work in the factory. To do that job, you needed reading, writing, and arithmetic. You had to read the sign saying, do not touch. You had to count the number of screws you had. You didn't have to network to work on an assembly line. You didn't have to worry about building coalitions when you sat there in your office and said, yes, sir, what do you need me to do? So we didn't need those skills and high school wasn't created for those skills. Then when we get to the university system, now that's older, that goes back a few centuries, almost a millennia. With the university system, it's run by professors and they're wonderful people, but they are deep experts in their field. So when you go and say, I want to become a marketer, I want to take these courses, the professors say, well, these are the courses you need to take, these entry level, intermediate, these advanced. We, the experts, decide this is what you need to know. This is a set of information. And sure, college will throw in a general math and history and a few others. But that's it. And so what your degree says, it simply says you have learned marketing information. It does not say you are a good marketer. It certainly doesn't say you are a good employee. It just says you have this knowledge. Again, that was sufficient 170 years ago when you sat there in your little cubicle or whatever they did back in the 1950s. But that doesn't work today. And unfortunately, academia moves very slow and they haven't really caught up to the new needs of the workforce. There's definitely new needs like we've talked about, and I think potentially for some students who are either currently in one of those academic settings, high school or at a university, or even some young professionals who may be listening, they're kind of like, okay, so what do I do about this now? So we know there's a disconnect between what they're learning and, and the skills that they may need in the actual working world, but what can they do to help prepare themselves, especially if maybe they aren't at a school that's offering a professionalism course or something like that. And if you're at probably 99% of the universities out there, you're not getting this. So you are on your own. And step one is to recognize you need to take responsibility for this. It is on you. It shouldn't be. You should have help, but don't count on others. So you need to move forward and develop these skills. Now, you can do this in a number of ways. But the best way to develop these skills is really, I think, doing it as a group. Because here's the important thing about this. 
you can't simply memorize these skills. It's not like learning history or learning accounting where you say, here are the rules, I got it done. It's more akin to playing a sport. I can't just tell you the rules of the sport and great, you're ready to go. What do you need to do? You need to practice, you need to scrimmage, you need to learn from others. And so creating peer learning groups is a good way to do this. So what you want to do is get other people together, ideally at your company. But if your company doesn't want to do this, you can do this on your own. And by the way, on my website, on the resources page, there is a free download for how to do this at your company or on your own. So create these peer learning groups. I recommend groups of about six to eight people. Then you want to engage with some content. Yes, you can use my book. If you don't want to use my book, use a different book. Use articles. Use a great podcast like this one. So you listen to the episode or read some pages, and then you discuss. Because it's in that discussion where you get the richness of it. As we said, there's no simple rule. I can't say do this and you will be a leader. Or here's the three steps to communicating. But as we talk about communication, I can say, well, here's what I got out of it. And you're going to share a different perspective. And then someone else will jump in and say, well, here's what I tried in the past. And here's what worked and what didn't. And that's what's going to help us really learn and develop. So I strongly recommend doing this as a group instead of just reading on your own or listening to the podcast on your own. Wow, this is really deep. I'm so, so happy you're talking about the things that you're talking about. And, uh, you know, I, I really, really appreciate this aspect of these peer learning groups to provide diversity of perspectives. And you know, so so much of kind of what you were talking about with this dis disconnect in uh, the university setting. Lord knows, Cassie and I can relate to this. We've worked in university, uh, you know, career services office. We understand how sometimes the faculty and us as career service providers, we speak a very different language about what the outcomes <laughs> are for the students. So <laughs> we're sitting here going, yep, yep, I feel it. I know exactly what you're saying. And and these are conversations that are that are still ongoing. Uh, we actually have, we've had many conversations when I was working at Eastern Michigan University about how when you actually look at many of the universities across the country, their mission statement still says nothing about career. It is all about enlightenment. It's about growth. It's about this, about that. But it has, says nothing in terms of preparing people for the workforce of tomorrow. And so, man, uh, this is just amazing. But I love these peer learning groups. I love exactly what you're saying here to provide this, this rich perspective. And it kind of got me thinking and reflecting about you know, when I was doing practicums and when I was doing an internship, you know, we'd have these uh, we'd have these times where we'd have the ability to come together. And I always found that very, very productive to hear what other people's experiences were as I'm learning and developing my skills. And so that's kind of like the first thing that that kind of came to my mind. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. It is getting those different perspectives because there is no one path. And so we can't just say, well, this is what some successful person did. I'm going to do the exact mm -hmm. same thing by hearing different paths, by hearing different approaches to how to lead, to how to communicate, to how to network. You're going to enlarge your toolkit and have different approaches for any given challenge you face. Now, you mentioned something, and I talk about this indirectly in Chapter 2. In Chapter 2, Working Effectively, I talk about the core role of a company. There's a thing that the company does. And then most everyone else is support. 
And when you think about universities, universities, the mentality is it is about the professors instilling knowledge to other people. That is the core. So everyone else from the student life deans to writing services, to career services, to facilities, it's all support. You're all in that same secondary bucket to make things better for that transfer of knowledge. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the role of a university? Now, some, when you get to larger research universities, you can say, yes, it really is about the knowledge and they're pushing the forefront of knowledge. But for most universities and colleges at the undergraduate level, it is about preparing their students to be effective in their careers. Yes. And that means you are more of that primary service and not secondary. But unfortunately, that's not how universities <laughs> see it. Oh, I love the way you said that. Uh, I, that I'm, that's the quote that we're going to take from this episode. <laughs> and, so, and you can share this with your deans and other faculty. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So one of the things that I did want to kind of um, return back to was really talking about your experiencing working with uh, with leaders across industries and understanding what uh, employers are really looking for. So from your experience... In terms of this this disconnect of skills, what do you what are you hearing are some of the biggest complaints or the biggest mismatches right now? Well, there are these ten skills. I'll go through what they are. We have seen this not just in research at MIT, but research coming out of other universities, and they have been consistent for decades. Now, it's not to say there aren't other skills that come and go. Obviously, there's a push towards STEM or we hear things like data science is important, and they are. We also see in the non-hard skills, things like empathy is something that's, that's bigger, that's been trending. But the skills I'm going to discuss, the 10 of them, they have been universal, and we've seen them requested going back decades, and I believe they will be continue to be in, in demand decades to come. So the 10 skills, the way I organize them in the book is three sections, 10 skills. Section one, careers, how to create and execute a career plan. Chapter two, working effectively, things like managing your manager, understanding corporate culture. Chapter three gets into interviewing. Now here, it's not just as a candidate. We focus a lot as a candidate, particularly when you're in school, because that's the side you're on. Once we're in a job, we very often interview other people, but no one actually teaches us how to do that. It's like saying, hey, uh, you've seen me drive a car before. So here you go, 16-year-old child. Here's the car keys. Good luck to you. Try not to hit anyone. But that's what companies do when they put you in the driver's seat for the interviews. The second section, leadership and management. And management, I break down into the people side of management and the process side of management. They're both important but distinct skills. And then the last section, I have four chapters, four different skills, communication, networking, negotiations, and ethics. Well, we are going to dive into networking because that is a skill that I know we've talked about a lot and a lot of career coaches talk about, and it is just this skill that I think a lot of people are scared of, don't know how to get started with. It's just, there's just something about it. So when it comes to networking, building those professional relationships, I like this idea of the, the peer learning and those groups to get into this these skills. 
what can current students, new grads, whoever it may be, what can they do when they're new to this process? They're, they're hearing us talk about networking and they're like, I don't even know where to start. I'm going to talk about two things, big picture and small tactics. Now, in my book, each chapter has that big picture mental shift, how to think differently about a skill, followed by a whole bunch of concrete things you can do. So let's start with that first piece, big picture. Most universities, most people teach networking wrong because they get you in this state of, oh, I need a job. I need to go network. Oh, I'm going to go network. Do you have a job for me? And the analogy I use, imagine you go to a bar, you're hanging out, you meet some people, you have a couple of drinks. Like, hey, you guys seem really nice. So glad we met. So listen, I'm moving this weekend. Why don't you come over, help me pack up my apartment, carry my couch down a couple flights of stairs. Come on, we're, we're friends now, aren't we? Of course that won't work. You just met. Who are the people who are going to come over and help you pack? Your friends you've known for years. The people with whom you've established a relationship. When you start out by saying, hi, stranger, I need, that's not a great way to start. And yet, when we think about networking, people say, oh, I need a job. Time to go network. Hi, do you have a job? Okay, no, great, next. Hey, how about you? Do you have a job for me? No, okay, I'll move on. That's not networking. And so you need to see networking as building relationships. All of us know how to do that. We've all had friends. So just go out and think about building relationships with other people. Don't think about what you need. Don't think about the now. Certainly as a student, you have some acute needs. You are looking for a job in a fixed time frame. But just go out and meet people and don't think, can you help me today? No, pass. Think, great to meet you. Maybe you'll get me a job in three months, maybe in three years, maybe never. But that's not why I'm building this relationship with you. So we want to take that long-term mentality that's relationship-focused and not transactional. Now, in terms of something concrete you can do, students have a huge advantage. You are a student, and we all know how difficult it is to be a student. You can leverage that. I recommend reaching out to your alumni networks as a good place to start. I'm in the MIT alumni database. I get one message every two to three years. Even though I've checked the box saying, you can reach out to me, no one really does. And so you can reach out to your alumni, whether your school has one or if they don't, look them up on LinkedIn or some other tool, and reach out and say, hi, I'm an undergrad. I'm looking for a summer internship for a job. I would love to just talk to you about your career, your profession, see if there are any jobs at your company, whether you go for that direct, I'm looking for a job with you, or just to talk to you. Many will respond because we all know what it was like to be you. We all remember how difficult that was. And especially when you're in that same tribe, hey, we're in the same university. We have some connection. They're more likely to respond. So leverage that. Most students do not. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm, again, just kind of nodding in agreement here because uh, these are certainly some of the conversations that we've had in past episodes about, you know, the importance of, of making this really the cultivation of uh, relationships and not uh, these transactional communications. And, you know, what you said right there about really how to position yourself and a lot of times I know because I, I have these conversations a lot that being a, a current student sometimes feels intimidating to to, uh, you know, reach out to individuals. And 
especially with with ones that are alumni that are established in their careers, it can be a little bit intimidating to do that. And sometimes they kind of feel like I'm a little inferior, you know, that I don't quite measure up and, and who am I to be reaching out? But you're right. I mean, this is this is a really, really advantageous position that you have of being a student. And generally, most people do want to give back and, and they're quite generous and they're um, and their uh, ability to do so. And unfortunately, as you said, you know, too often individuals just aren't taking advantage of that, which is unfortunate. And here's how you make it successful. When you reach out, be sure to talk about their favorite topic. Now, what's their favorite topic? Themselves. themselves. <laughs> it's true for everyone. Everyone likes to talk about themselves. And that's what you want to talk about anyway. Mm -hmm. So when you reach out and say, hi, I see you work at this company. You have this type of job. I'm interested in that field or company. I'd love to talk to you about your career, how you got there, what someone going into the field should know. You are flattering this person. You're saying your career is important to me. Your opinion is important to me. Would you please share those? And someone says, wow, you want to talk about me? That's my favorite topic. Let's talk. So you are actually really hitting them exactly in the in the right note, the way they want to be contacted. So don't be afraid to do so. People will love to have this conversation. Yes, yes, 100%. I couldn't agree more with that. So I have to ask you a particular question that I, I put a special note here. I heard you um, speaking on a, on a different podcast. And you said something to me that just was so profound. It really resonated with me. And, um, and this goes back to one of the essential skills, um, that you do talk about in the book, which is leadership, right? A very hot button issue that a lot of times, you know, we just don't get enough, uh, skill building in that area, particularly as students, but you said something um, that I thought was so great. You said leadership is not positional. So I was really hoping you could expand on, on what that means for, for those that uh, are unfamiliar. We often think of leadership coming from a hierarchy. Certainly in the university, we think about junior faculty, senior faculty, and deans and provosts. There's a very clear hierarchy. Same thing in corporation. You have managers, directors, vice presidents. And unfortunately, most people, not just those in college or early in their career, but even people I've seen decades into their career, think that leadership comes from the title. Now, authority does. As a CTO, I have the ability to hire people and fire them and set the budget and say, we're working on this project, not that one. I have the authority to do so. But leadership is not authority. And when you think about some of the greatest leaders that we have seen, people like Martin Luther King or Gandhi, they had no authority, but people followed them because they led. They couldn't command, they couldn't cajole. Now, even as a CTO where I have authority, if I just said to my team, well, do it because I said so, my team's not gonna stick around very long, especially in this market where they know they can find other jobs. They don't want to be commanded, they want to be led. Now, here's the thing, leadership, because it doesn't come from authority, it comes from stepping up and saying, I have an idea. That is the first step of leadership. It means any and all of us can do it regardless of our title, our position, or seniority. And when companies say we want more leaders, they don't mean we need more people with some fancy title. 
They mean they want to see people who stand up and say, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we do this? Maybe we should try it that way instead. That's what they want to see. People take that initiative and put those ideas forth and convince others to go along with those ideas. That is leadership. Such an important point. And I think so good, hopefully, for our listeners to be hearing, because I think a lot of people do get into that mindset that leadership is a title or when you're in that more like authoritative position. But at any point and really in any position, you can work on those leadership skills and really start to cultivate them, whether you're at an internship offering an idea or you're in a club or organization on your college campus and and developing skills in that way, just a lot of opportunities to really work on that and develop that that skill as you go. So kind of thinking about that practical application to it and how people can work on their leadership skills, what are some of the other steps that current students, young professionals can really be taking to close that gap uh, with these professional skills? So we mentioned earlier about doing that group learning, which I think is a great way to learn it. You also need to recognize this is not a one and done type of skill. One thing I did for my book is recognizing we so often we read a book, we say, okay, well, that's great. And then we forget a few weeks later, I created the Career Toolkit app, which is a free app that has a lot of the highlights from the book. And what it will do is it gets pushed out to you once a day. You just need to open the app once a month so we know you're active. But then each day at a time you set, you'll get a push notification with some of that advice so it comes back and stays top of mind because this is not a one and done activity. Now, what I recommend in a book like mine or in other resources you may use, there's a lot. I have 10 different skills. You can't do 10 skills at once. It's like learning 10 sports at once. Not going to work. So I recommend focusing on just one of them, maybe two if, if you think you can do two at once, but really focus and develop that skill. And now here's the thing, you don't have to be an expert. The example I like to use is with negotiating. So let's consider the following. Imagine you're 25 years old and you have a job offer for $50,000. But instead of just saying, okay, I'll take it, you've learned to negotiate. Maybe you read my book or you learned it some other way. So instead of saying, I'll take that job for 50,000, you negotiate, takes about five minutes to go back and forth or send some emails, and now you get 51,000. Okay, that's doable, that's not a huge lift. So you just got $1,000 more. If you do nothing else, but you stay in this job for the next 40 years, five minutes of negotiating just got you $40,000. My God, how do we not negotiate given that kind of return? Isn't it worth it to read the book, take the class, negotiate for five minutes? Of course, you're also saying, wait, there's no way I'm staying in a job for 40 years. And you're right. Mm -hmm. You'll have promotions and raises and other jobs. And you'll negotiate for more than $1,000. So in fact, if you learn to negotiate, you can easily add tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to your lifetime earnings. Now, I use negotiations because we can do that math. We can say 1,000 times 40, I get it. The same is true for all these other skills. Now, no one's going to say, oh, you're a better communicator. Here's $1,000 more. But you will stand out. You will be put on the more opportune projects. You will get promotions faster. You will come across better. Leadership, networking, you'll get more opportunities coming to you. So all of these skills, 
Don't worry about, oh, I have to be the best. Just get a little bit better. And by the way, every one of these skills, they are learnable. Like accounting or like playing golf, you can learn to do them. You don't have to be a natural. Some are, but for the rest of us, including myself, we can learn them. And if you get just a little bit better, you will get massive returns and a lot more success in your career. I love those examples that you just gave and how you broke that out. And I, the thing that kept coming to mind as you were talking about it, and we've mentioned this on previous episodes, but a lot of this is some self-awareness and recognizing, okay, where am I already maybe naturally or a little bit more stronger? Like where am I maybe need to work a little bit more on? And what are those small and consistent steps that I can be taking for my career? And the other thing I just kept thinking about is probably for some of you listening, you're already doing some of these things. You may just not know it. And I think a lot about the college students that I used to work with who were involved in, you know, 10 clubs and an intramural sport and like running a nonprofit and doing so many things, but just not putting the skill to it and not making that connection between the activity or the thing that they were doing and the professional skill and, you know, going through those peer learning groups and working on this and even just going through the skills that you've mentioned and thinking about like, how have I done that? And doing some of that reflection and and self-awareness can just be so, so important and really help you in such such a big way. So I know this might be hard, but we do ask all of our guests. So I have to ask you as well, if you could only pick one piece of career advice or the best piece of career advice that you were given that you can pass along to our listeners, what would that be? I'd say it's the essence of what we just talked about, which is that small improvements can have a massive long-term effect. So don't get overwhelmed. Don't think, oh, that person is better than me or I'll never be that good. Just worry about getting a little bit better than you are today. And you're going to see some fantastic results over time. It's like compound interest. I love it. I love it. There is so much value that was jam-packed in today's episode, and it was um, really fantastic for me. Um, I think, um, Mark, you've got a a brilliant way to be able to kind of summarize a lot of the concepts that we've talked about over weeks and weeks and really kind of tie so many of these elements in together. And so it was really, really profound. And um, I enjoyed it a lot. And so for our listeners that really would love to learn a little bit more about you, check out your book, um, get on the app and utilize the resources that you have. Where's, what's the best way to connect with you? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can see where to buy the book, Amazon and other places. You can get in touch with me or follow me on social media. I put out new content each week. There's the app. If you go to the app page, it will take you to the Android and iPhone stores where you can download the free companion app. And then the resources page we mentioned earlier, which has that development guide, has questions to ask during an interview process, has links to other free resources online and other books if you want to go deeper on these topics. All of this is available at thecareertoolkitbook.com. We are so absolutely excited for that. And we really hope that all of our listeners uh, do check that out. Um, so yeah, this has been, this has just been an amazing episode and, uh, we were so delighted to have Mark on, uh, today. So stay tuned. We have some amazing content coming, uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, some incredible guests, some, uh, very, very 
pertinent topics to your career success and fulfillment um, coming in uh, in the next few weeks. This is your career GPS and your journey awaits. <laughs>